Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. I want to begin today uh, with a very specific follow-up to last week. Today's message is called Preparation for Purpose. Preparation per- for Purpose, okay? And we're going to begin with Exodus 2, a very unique area that God just opened my heart this week and showed me this. And so we're just going to get it. This is my whole text, and I'll weave in Psalm 20 real quickly as well. Exodus chapter 2, most of you know the story. When Moses grew up, it says, now it came to pass in verse 11, came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren. He realized he was a Hebrew, even though he was raised as an Egyptian. And you could tell that because he walked like an Egyptian. <laughs> anyway, let's see if anybody here is awake. And he went out to his brethren, looked at their burdens. You know, sometimes when you see your brother's burden, you take it on yourself but you take it on sometimes in the wrong way. So here's what Moses did. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian, and he hid him in the sand, took him out to the desert and buried him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, the old two Hebrew men were fighting each other. And he said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? The word companion there in Hebrew means, why are you striking your own flesh and blood? Why are you striking your own brother? I don't understand this. I understand what happened yesterday. I don't understand this. Then he said, one of the men said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. In other words, "Uh uh-oh, time to go. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, got back to Pharaoh, he sought to kill Moses. Sought to kill him, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. He sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came and drew water and they filled their troughs to water their father's flock. But then the shepherds came and drove these women away. Shepherds came and bullied these women, said, hey, just because there's no sons in your family doesn't mean you have a right. And they kicked them out of the out of the well, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And by the way, he found his wife by doing that. Psalm 20, verse four, may God grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all of your purpose. Let's pray together one more time. God, would you come and move in this place Let my message and my preaching not be with the enticing words of human wisdom, but let the words spoken in this place be a demonstration of the spirit and power of God, that people's faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the very power and presence of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our theme this month is called Pressing into Purpose. God has a purpose for every life. Last week, we established the building, the biblical foundation of divine purpose, which we call destiny. The very fact is, however you were born in this world, God had a plan for you. 
Before the foundations of the world, the Bible says that God looked out of time and out of eternity into time, and he saw you alive in 2020 for such a time as this, and he had certain assignments, certain things, certain, certain purposes for your life that no one else can accomplish except you. There are some people that you can reach that will never listen to me just because I'm a pastor. There are some people that you can reach that no, they'll listen to nobody else. It is something, it is a message, it is an anointing, it is something that you have in your life that you need to open yourself up and let God show you that purpose. And so we're gonna talk about that a little bit more today. Now names are interesting. Aren't names interesting? Yes. Banana, mana, fofana, <laughs> P5, fofana. Anyway, you know, names, I won't play the name game, but what's in a name? You know, by the way, last week, uh, I told a powerful story about PL, and we heard from people online that didn't know who PL was. They know Pastor Lindsay, they didn't know we call him PL. So uh, I just want to point that out. If you're newer to Now Church, or you're somebody that's joined us through the whole coronavirus pandemic and, and quarantine 15, uh, if you have joined us in that time, Pastor Lindsay is, our, is a VIP. He is our senior associate pastor and our worship pastor, and we just call him PL for short because Pastor Lindsay takes too long to say. Anyway, <laughs> so what's in the name? Moses, by the way, Moses' name had a, this is, this is interesting. Moses means saved or delivered out of the water. When Moses was named, by the way, he wasn't named by his Hebrew mother, she had to give him up and put him on the water to try to save his life because of Pharaoh's um, declaration to kill the unborn, the preborn, and the newborn. And so as Moses was pulled out of the water, his adopted mother, a, a, an Egyptian princess, the daughter of the Pharaoh at the time, pulled him out and named him Moses, which means saved or delivered out of the water. Isn't it interesting that Moses became God's deliverer to rescue the people of God from drowning in slavery? Isn't it interesting that there's something in a name? Maybe there's something in your name. Moses' created purpose was right in his name. What we call people is so important, isn't it? What we say, the words of our mouth, what we call people uh, is important. What we name our kids is important. Uh, I'll never forget, and I've told this story many times before, but... Um, my parents said I was a weird kid. They named me Richard Kenneth Parent-Chief and they uh, called me Ricky. That was my nickname until I was seven years old. Uh, after going to school, the first day of school, like second grade, something like that, at seven years of age, uh, they called the roll. In the beginning of every school year, they would call your official name. And so they said, uh, Richard Parent-Chief. And, um, and, and, and I said, uh, well, call me Ricky. And then I thought about it. I said, no, just call me Richard. And I went on and I had a family meeting with my parents at seven. My sister wasn't born until I was eight. So I was an only child at the time. And, um, and I said to my parents, I want to talk to you. You name me Richard. Why do you call me Ricky? That's not who I am. My name is Richard. They said, they say every year, the first day of school, Richard, so I want to be called Richard. So my parents, they, they, they started to call me Richard and they, and they uh, had to send out Christmas letter that year and say, by the way, don't call Ricky, Ricky anymore, call him Richard. 
because that's his name. And I didn't find out till later, I found out that my name means bold ruler or leader. Bold ruler leader. Now, I didn't know that at the time. It's from the old German word, Richard. Very guttural name. But it means bold ruler or leader. And I'm telling you that I felt leadership on my life even as a child. Why do I say that? Because we rise up many times to what we are called, which is why we can't allow people to call us by the wrong identity, by the wrong name. I'm not talking about nicknames and all that. I'm talking about we can't allow ourselves to be named or defined by what somebody else says, but by what God called us, and maybe by what our parents named us. Maybe that's significance in your family. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. But Moses went on to become one of the greatest leaders in world history, not just recognized in uh, Israel as a Jewish leader. He is recognized by many cultures in ancient history as one of the world's greatest leaders. When he was grown, he saw differently like we all do. When we grow up, we see things differently. And he knew he was Hebrew. We don't know from the old Charlton Heston movie, The Ten Commandments. We don't really know at what point he realized. I, I don't know how they, if they did that for a dramatic effect. But, he, you know, um, he didn't really, he didn't necessarily grow up knowing, but he found out that he was a Hebrew. And he responded to that. And, and the Bible says the first day that he went out knowing he was a Hebrew, as a grown man, he looked out among his brothers and he saw injustice. He saw brutality, he saw evil, and he saw one race oppressing another race, and he saw the burden of his people, and he reacted. He was moved by the injustice he saw, and he took matters into his own hands, and of course, the Bible tells us he became a murderer, and then entered into a cover-up. He didn't think anybody was watching. The Bible says he looked this way and he looked that way and he thought, hey, I'm a, I can get away with this. And he killed the man, took the life and assumed because it was a righting of a wrong that it was cool. You know, a lot of times when we mess up, we think we got away with something. But God always knows, doesn't he? And the Bible says your sin will surely find you out. Even the conviction and the, of our own hearts affects us. The next time Moses went out to inspect his people, we don't know if it was a day later, but it was the second time he went out, two Hebrew men were fighting each other of the same race, the same ethnicity, and again Moses felt something stirring within him to step in. He wanted to right the wrong within the Israeli camp, within, within what he sensed as his own people, even though he didn't know them and understand them. He was brought up with the full education of, Egypt, of Egyptians. He, he had degrees. He, had, he, had, he was being prepared. He was part of the Pharaoh's family. He was, he, was, he was royalty in Egypt. But as he intervened, the men spoke back disrespectfully, didn't they? And one of them said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me like you killed the Egyptian the other day? Interesting, isn't it, that God eventually did make Moses a prince and a judge over Israel. People recognized it. But it wasn't fully cooked yet. It wasn't fully prepared. There's a preparation for your purpose. Or if you went down to Miami and you're a, you know, you're a Dolphins fan, you would have to 
prepare for your purpose. But anyway, that's another message. Now, if you didn't hear that, if you're at home, that was hilarious here in the room. <laughs> the only quietness you had is in, at your house because you're not here. Anyway. See, here's what happens. Your God-given purpose compels you throughout your life. Even as a child, whether you realize it or not, your God-given purpose begins to percolate. It begins to bubble up. There are certain things that if your parents and teachers would begin to recognize instead of harnessing but releasing those gifted areas throughout your life, God will have those things bubble up from time to time, almost like a string of clues as to what you're going to become. When we were homeschooling our, our son, Ricky, and I say that very loosely because my wife homeschooled him and I watched, but helped that whenever I could. Now, we, when Ricky was about, I don't know, let's see, this had to be 1987, so Ricky was just about seven years old, right before his seventh birthday, we took Ricky on a homeschool field trip the Super Channel 55, the Christian TV channel in Orlando, used to be headquartered in Leesburg, right there where 441 and 27 divide, and you could go right there. And so we had, we had a relationship that began to be uh, happening when, when we were asked by Claude and Frieda Bowers, the owners of the station, to serve. My wife and I served in a telethon answering the phones. And every time the phone rang to take a pledge, people asked me to pray with them. And Claude kept walking around. I didn't get to even see what happened until way after we were done with this telethon. But I'm telling you, God did some amazing things. And I was, I was an insurance agent right here in Ocala um, looking for what God had. I knew that I was called to preach, but didn't know how that door would open. And we go to this homeschool uh, field trip to Super Channel 55 in Leesburg, and it was amazing because it opened up destiny doors, not just for me, but for my son, Ricky. By the way, yes, I, my wife named him Richard Kenneth Parentchief Jr. And I, we called him Ricky because I thought he was Ricky and I was Richard and I was still right. Anyway, um, that day we went to do this field trip, end up sharing our testimony of how we got filled with the Holy Spirit watching Channel 55 and... We, we were taken into Claude Bauer's office. Ricky became immediately fascinated by all the TV lights, all the cameras, all the equipment. And I mean fascinated. I don't mean like, oh, he liked it. I mean, from then on, every Lego he had in the house became part of building sets or cameras or equipment or microphones or whatever else. He became passionate at seven, not even quite seven years of age, with his destiny. For those of you that are newer here, and if you don't know PL is Pastor Lindsay, you surely don't know Ricky because he's always behind the scenes. But Ricky has, is a two-time Emmy award-winning TV producer, director, a Telly Award uh, winner, and has, I mean, he is setting up television and live streaming for churches all over the country and is, it has a, a big destiny, a big future, a big call of God in his life that's very different from mine. He didn't want to be up here. He didn't want to, I, I ask him sometimes, will you, will you host, you know, a Wednesday night sometime? And he's very reluctant. But, but he, knew, he knew as a seven-year-old he would want to be behind the scenes and that he saw himself doing this. At that point, uh, Claude Bowers asked us to be on, appear on a couple of TV programs. He used to do a noon show 
And he asked us to be on there to share our testimony. And so we did. And afterward, he took us in his office and he said, he said, I'm telling you, I don't know you very well, but I need to say this to you. You don't need to be in the insurance business. You need to be a pastor. You, God's hand is on your life to preach. And I'm going like, tell me about it. I know, I'm, I know God's about to do something. I just don't know how he's gonna do it. And he said this. He said, well, before you go running off to Africa or some mission field, come see me in a few weeks because there may be an opening for you. About four weeks later, that door opened October the 28th, 1987, when he hired me temporarily just to help do some things around the station and call all the donors, all the telethon donors, and thank them and offer to pray with them. And when I did that, miracles started happening and people started experiencing the power of God through the telephone just praying for them. I want you to know that when your purpose is starting to come to birth, when it's time, your calling will show almost like a pregnancy. People will see it. It's not about clothes fitting or not fitting. It's about, it's about people, people that are hearing from God, that are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, will begin to recognize God's destiny on your life, and, and they will begin to say some things to confirm. So Claude Bowers confirmed my calling, and within a few weeks, I stepped out of being in the insurance business and secular work and stepped into full-time ministry. Within 10 months after that, I was on staff with Pastor Benny Hinn in Orlando at a, a church of 7,000 people as a pastor. I can't explain to you how your doors will open, but I can say this to you. You have to wait on the timing of God. Why? Because Moses misinterpreted his, his own emotions and his own feelings. His calling to deliver Israel was percolating. It was breathing. He was pregnant with it, even as he discovered that he, how angry it made him to see his own brothers mistreated, to see the injustice. But he misinterpreted his own emotions. Can I just say this? Analysis doesn't usually set you up to fulfill your purpose because analysis is all up here. There's a, a, lot, a lot going on in the world today about analytics. What are the, what's the data? But I want you to know data doesn't always tell the whole story because it's a story of people, not numbers. James chapter one, verse 19 says this way. So then my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. One translation says, um, a, a good listener. Slow to speak, slow to wrath or anger. Why? For the wrath or anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What does it mean? It means this, your frustration may point to the direction of your purpose, but if you allow the spirit of anger to take hold of you, you're gonna misinterpret and get out of the timing of your purpose and your calling and destiny, and you're gonna wind up doing something in the flesh that you're gonna regret. And that's what happened with Moses. The anger of man... Even righteous indignation doesn't require fleshly, carnal, human action. It requires a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It requires that you work in the spirit realm. My friends, the enemy wants your purpose or wants to use your purpose against you. He wants to use my purpose against me. 
Because sometimes what happens is the very, person, the very people that are fed up with injustice are called by God to respond with mercy and not more judgment. We always say around here, the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Say that with me. The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. A lot of people mess up because they start being led by their feelings and their emotions and they get in the flesh. But God is preparing you to fulfill all of his created purpose for you. And it's gonna take sometimes going against the grain. I was thinking about the, um, the lazy river down at Bonnet Creek Hilton. There's, they have a lazy river down there. You know, if you, if you get in that water and you go in the lazy river, it's really easy to just go around where the water's going. You know what's hard to do? Walking against the current. That's what's hard to do. It's real easy to run with the crowd, isn't it? It's easy to do or say what seems popular at the moment. Trendy, fashionable, common. But one of the driving principles of spiritual warfare that we learned a long time ago and we stand for in this church is that you, when you sense something going on that the enemy's doing, you have to go opposite spirit. You have to go opposite of what the enemy is doing for real breakthrough. The words of Jesus, you overcome division by drawing closer together in unity. But Jesus said, you overcome evil by doing good. You wanna, you wanna break through the resistance? Jesus said, feed your enemy, clothe him, send him a gift. Then you've gone opposite what that spirit of rage is trying to get you to do. How do you overcome lack? By giving away what you need. That's where the anointing moves. The problem is, a lot of times when we feel our, 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 our righteous anger, we feel things percolating inside of us, it's just something of our destiny and our calling of areas where we're called to make a difference trying to rise up within us. But we still have to do that and move in that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Say amen. People are only anointed where they are appointed. People are only anointed where they're appointed. God's power is only on you for what you're called to do in this next moment. And when you step out beyond that to try to handle things yourself, you are not trusting God. You're, you're there. We sang the song a few minutes ago about without you. Well, you know, unless you're here uh, in this place, I'm nothing without you. I need you. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. It's in the glory of God that real, real change takes place. Don't fall into the ditch. We said a few weeks ago, and I want to say it again, listen, there is a highway of truth. And there are ditches on either side of the road of every truth principle in the kingdom of God. And there are people that get into the extremes of the ditches on either side of the highway, screaming at each other and trying to get you to go off to one side or the other and make a false choice. It's a lie from the pit of hell. You stay on the highway. Stay on the highway of your destiny. Stay on the highway of truth. Stay on the highway of the word of God. Stay on the side of God. When Paul wrote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he wouldn't just say, he didn't say, he didn't word it, I can do all things through Jesus who strengthens me. He said Christ. He was talking about the anointing, the anointed one and his anointing. Philippians 4.13 from the Amplified said this way in the Amplified. Listen, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. 
I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient only in Christ's sufficiency. See, when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, we use that all the time to say, okay, I can do anything I want to do. I can do anything. No, you cannot. You cannot do anything that you dream, anything you want to do, if you don't have the talent for it, if you don't have the calling for it, if you don't have the destiny for it, if, you don't have, if it's not according to your purpose, you can, you can wish upon a star. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's got to be within your created divine purpose. And that's the way God made you. The problem is we get out of timing sometimes by trying to help God fulfill what our interpretation is of what his purpose is for us. And I say the high call of God we're pressing for as we talk about pressing for purpose this month, it's not a call of just doing something or just flailing away. It's about being a vessel of God, a vessel of honor, doing what God has called you to do when he's called you to do it. You can do anything when the anointing is there to strengthen you. You can do anything God calls you to do when the anointing, when the tangible manifested presence of the Lord is in you, on you, through you to do what he's called you to do. But that is not a scripture that you just say willy-nilly so, so that you can get up and do something you want to do. This is not, the anointing is for you when you're appointed for something. The anointing is on you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He's anointed. He begins to give his mandate in Luke chapter 4 and tell what the anointing does through him. Let me say it this way. You don't need the anointing if you're using your own strength. You don't need the anointing. You don't need the presence of God if it's just you trying to do something. If it's just you trying to make noise. If it's you trying to be something or make a name for yourself. Moses gave up being an Egyptian prince to become a Hebrew shepherd for a while. And then he became the shepherd of God's people. He met his wife by chasing off bully shepherds in Midian. The word Midian means strife. Interestingly enough, in the middle of strife, Moses, he didn't learn his lesson fully, by the way. Um, as soon as he gets out of Egypt and he's on the run, he winds up in Midian for a night because it's Midianites. But anyway, he, he winds up there in Midian in a place called Strife. And there he sees this wrestling match with these seven beautiful daughters and no brothers. And they're having to take care of their father's sheep. And he sees these shepherds come in and bully them away. Get out of here. It's our turn now. And Moses, once again, that, that anointing in him, that call, that purpose in his life, that thing started percolating, started bubble up again. He saw injustice, and what did he do? He stood up and he fought. This time, God turned it for good because he found that woman, his wife, by being bold. His destiny as a deliverer kept rising up through different times, but he had to find a way to not, in fact, it took him 40 years to get everything out of him that Egypt had put inside of him. It took him 40 years to become the man God had called him to be. My old pastor used to say that he, he spent the first 40 years of his life in Egypt getting a, a BS degree, be somebody. And he spent 40 years in the wilderness getting a BN degree, be nobody, and let God use you. My friends, by the time God comes 
and meets Moses at the burning bush, Moses has no confidence in his own purpose at all. He's weak. He's humbled. He's broken. And God says at the burning bush, take off your shoes. The place where you stand is holy ground. I've got a plan for your life. You're going to be my deliverer. You're going to be my man. And Moses spends part of the beginning of Exodus writing, who, me? Are you kidding me? I got nothing to offer you. I'm just a lonely shepherd out here with a wife and two sons just trying to make a living. And God said, ah, now you're ready for me to show my purpose in you. When you're so full of yourself, you became a murderer. You're out here on the run. Moses says, I'll do what you said, but you gotta tell me your name. Tell me who you are. God said, I am that I am. My friends, until you and I encounter the I am for us, for our purpose, we're not ready to fulfill our destiny. What's the takeaway? Here's the takeaway. You're empowered for everything God purposes for you to accomplish in your life. You're empowered for everything God purposes for you to accomplish with your life at the time he wants you to do it. There's no grace for you until the timing comes. And if you're striving, hear me? If you're striving in your own strength, that's a yellow light to me. If you're striving, if you're getting obsessed, if you're getting overwhelmed by all the stuff going on in the world and you, and, and you feel the, the righteous indignation, that's not, that doesn't mean it's time for you. You still gotta be sensitive to the timing of the Holy Spirit what am I saying? You're going to fulfill your calling, your purpose, your destiny. You've got to take time in the presence of the Lord to find out his heart. One of the most dangerous prayers you can ever pray consistently. I found myself the last few weeks and months just saying, God, show me your heart. Show me your heart for people. Show me your heart for what's going on. Show me your heart. And then last week, getting in this pulpit, I was a wreck because God answered that prayer. He showed me his heart. And I did my best last week to tell you what I saw. But now I'm calling for you. You've got to take time in the presence of God. You've got to find your own burning bush. You, can't, you cannot live in my revelation and the burning bush experience that I had back in the 80s. You've got to begin to find your purpose and don't rush into it. But let it percolate. Let it breathe. You're going to have to carry it like a woman carries a seed called pregnancy. You're going to have to carry it and you're going to have to birth it in the fullness of time, in the timing of God. Don't get out of timing don't try to handle things in your flesh. When you find out the heart of God, that's where his strength and his wisdom and his provision are. That's where you'll find his clear voice and his clear leading. It's in his presence. I'll finish with this. Romans 8, 14. 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Let God keep preparing you for your purpose. I want to invite you right now, whether you're in this room or whether you're connecting with us online, there needs to be a surrender moment when you've lost confidence in your own ability and you're ready to just trust God. Would you bow your head and close your eyes right where you are? This is your moment to surrender. This is your moment to let God be God and you allow yourself to be human. God wants to work with you, for you, in you, through you, but don't let time and pressure or the spirit of the age, which is not the Holy Spirit, try to force you into making false choices and dumb decisions and get in the flesh with what only God can fulfill in the spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person connecting with us online and every person in this building today. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over distractions, over all of the things that are trying to pull you in every direction in your heart and life. And I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would move in you, for you, through you, so that your confidence would be in Him and your purpose would become clear. Your purpose would become would become focus, would become light, would become laser focused. Father, would you move in this place and through this place to bring a change? Maybe you're here today. Or maybe you're connecting with us online and you're so frustrated with more talk of virus. You're frustrated with what's going on in the world right now. It's crazy. It's a crazy moment. But the Spirit of God is moving. We need to move with Him. We need to move with His passion. We need to move with His unction, His revelation, and with His timing. If you're here today, or you're watching, right where you are, say, I surrender. I give up. It's not about me. It's not about me figuring it out. It's about God's purpose being worked in my life for His good pleasure. I pray that you surrender today, and I pray that as you do, that instead of carrying the burdens of everybody else, that you'll give them to Jesus. For He said that His anointing destroys every yoke of bondage and lifts the heavy burdens. May his presence lift that burden off your shoulders right now that you would cast your care upon him for he cares for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.